It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Another really good show coming up here. I'm going to talk to Chip Scoggins and Aaron Levinsky from the Star Tribune here in just a little bit. Chip, of course, our sports columnist. Aaron Levinsky, a excellent photojournalist here at the Star Tribune. Both of them teamed up again for another outstanding feature. This one on the Red Lake football program. Um, that appeared in Sunday's paper online as well. If you haven't read it yet, haven't looked at it yet, please uh, go check that out, startribune.com, or go back and look at your Sunday paper. Uh, just tremendous work looking at uh, that program, a team that hasn't won a game in more than 20 years, but what keeps that what keeps that team going and really the coach at the heart of it all. Uh, but I'll talk to those guys just about the process of that story, their working relationship, and some of the surprises they encountered along the way of reporting that story. Also touch on a Minnesota team getting some actual luck in a draft lottery. Can you believe it? Yes, it can and did happen on uh, on Tuesday in a way that I did not expect. Didn't even see, uh, didn't even know about this one. Uh, first, though, what did I miss? I want to talk today about leadership in sports. Something that's been kind of Sticking with me for a couple days here as I think about the Timberwolves, as I was thinking about the Wild already this morning, as I've been thinking about the Vikings all season, and maybe even as I've been thinking about the Twins and their pursuit still of Carlos Correa in free agency. Um, I think I've tended over the years to underrate leadership in professional sports, thinking, you know what, you know, maybe that's an important thing in you know, youth sports, high school sports, even college sports, when a lot of these, you know, a lot of the players are obviously younger, more impressionable, need some more direction. Um, but, you know, in pro sports, I'm like, these guys are all professional. They're getting paid. They shouldn't need necessarily, you know, someone pulling them, someone, you know, motivating them on the team to to do better, to do to to do something. You know, certainly there's a, a place and a factor with leadership. You can see it show up, but that, you know, ultimately these are players who have a job to do and that they, you know, should go out and do their jobs. And if they do them, if they're skillful, they will win. And that's still definitely a big piece of this. But just looking around the Twin Cities sports landscape, you see where leadership is showing up in decisions and in performance. Timberwolves, there's a story I think Chris Hine wrote the other day about how there's been a leadership void on this year's team, particularly after the offseason trade. Uh, Patrick Beverly played a big leadership role on last year's team, um, you know, coming in here, a veteran, a guy who set a tone, who had been, you know, who had been a big voice in a lot of different places. And, you know, when he got traded as part of the Rudy Gobert trade, one of those voices, one of those big voices left, and they haven't been able to quite replace that. And it kind of went through the list of, you know, the players on the team and why that hasn't happened yet. You know, Rudy Gobert trying to, to be that leader, but he's maybe not necessarily totally inclined to be that way, and he's still new here. Um, Anthony Edwards, still very young, just 21. Carlton Towns and D'Angelo Russell, maybe not being naturally inclined to be that way. Um, you know, some of the other veterans on the team, some of the role players maybe having some of those leadership qualities, but, you know, maybe not having as big of a role, so maybe they're not uh, not not stepping quite into that void. Guys like Torian Prince or Kyle Anderson, guys like that. So, you know, it was just interesting to read that and how much of a how much of a factor that maybe is having this season. And you can see it on the court when you when you think about it. You can see how leadership shows up. A lack of it shows up when he can't stop a run. When 
You know, things are spiraling out of control. There's nobody saying, hey, you know, we got it together. Let's get a stop here. Things like that. Just little things that a leader would do. And it's a pretty damning commentary on the Wolves, considering this is not really a young team. You know, Towns and Russell, this is their eighth season. I know Towns is hurt right now, so give them a little bit of a free pass for the last few games. But those guys should be the leaders on your team. And if they're not, that's a problem. Um, Both those guys making a lot of money. Both those guys right in the prime of their careers. Plenty of reason they should have a voice right now, or at least a bigger one. So that, to me, is a troubling sign for the Timberwolves. Flip side, the Wild seems like they have a lot of good leaders in that room. As they say, Marcus Foligno, definitely one of them. He talked uh, to Sarah McClellan this week about you know just how some of that strong leadership for within that team has propelled them to a four-game winning streak has helped can help them reverse what was a really you know really bad start to this season. They're now thirteen nine and two heading into a west uh, western uh, western road trip. So we'll see how that plays out. But you know feels like the Wild has more of that leadership. They have more of those players who step up and, and be that voice. I think Marc-Andre Fleury does a good job of it as, as a goalie. Uh, you know, Definitely some of their defensemen, definitely Foligno. Um, they're just kind of growing into those roles, and it seems like it's more natural on that team. Vikings certainly have it this year. Um, you know, Guys like Harrison Smith, I think Kirk Cousins has grown in that area this year. I think Dalvin Cook is a leader on this team. I think some of their offensive linemen have grown into leadership roles. Eric Kendricks, they've got a lot of veterans on that team. I think it's always been a pretty good locker room, and you throw in... Kevin O'Connell to that mix, empowering them uh, to be better leaders, to be, be to have bigger voices. I think that's showing up in a big way for them this year. And then the Twins pursuing Carlos Correa. I don't think they would be nearly as interested in Carlos Correa if he hadn't proven to be such a good leader, such a good voice last season. Yes, the stats are important. Yes, he needs to be a high performer, which he was last year when he led the team far and away in uh, wins above replacement. But his leadership, his intangibles, those are important to them as well. And I feel like that's why you can't just replace him with some other free agent X in their minds. That's someone they know. That's someone who has the skills, not just on the field, but in the clubhouse, uh, to, to be that leader, to be that person who holds a team together. So just something I was thinking about this morning. Who's got it? Who doesn't have it? And we'll see how that plays out for the rest of this season. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I am really happy to be joined today by the two main uh, contributors behind our outstanding online and print uh, package um, on the Red Lake football program. So much more than that, though, um, Chip Scoggins, who's been on the show many times, columnist uh, in the sports department at the Star Tribune, and Aaron Levinsky, a terrific uh, photojournalist at the uh, the Star Tribune as well. Um, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having thanks for us. Having, yeah, thanks, man. I just wanted to I wanted to have you guys on. It was like we don't take a victory lap. First of all, the story came out Sunday in print. It was online a couple of days before that. But what a tremendous piece of work, um, you know, both visually and with words. Um, you know, anytime there's an undertaking like this, I'm always curious just to kind of get the the genesis story. Like, how do you even start, 
you know, a story that that's so complicated, so involved, and then, you know, the twists and turns along the way. So maybe, you know, Chip first, and then you, Aaron, also kind of kind of talk me through like how, how this story came onto your radar and, and then how you kind of build from there. Sure. Yeah, it was it was probably about this time last year that, um, you know, I do a weekly football column called Football Across Minnesota that runs, uh, you know, throughout every week throughout the football season. And Joel Ripple, who is a Star Tribune staffer in the sports department, is kind of our resident historian, um, had sent me an email saying, hey, I've just done some research and I might have a, a fam item for you that might be interested. He said, you know, based on the archives, I think Red Lake High has not won a football game in maybe 20 years. He said, you know, the record keeping's not great. Uh, different spots. It looks like they've had some forfeits, you know, only played a couple games a year. But he said, I can't really find a win for them going back until the 1990s. He said, would you be interested in that? And I was like, yeah, that, absolutely. And it, I said, I think it's more than a football across Minnesota column because what I need to find out more about it. And so I, I, so I got the, the uh, AD and, and football coach's number, same person, no one, Desjardins in his email. And I, I emailed him a couple of times. We just never really touched base. And then last spring, I, I, you know, every spring I sit down and think about big projects I want to do. And that was still on my mind. So I emailed him one more time and I said, Hey, I thought I'd, you know, try one more time to see, you know, if you'd be interested in, um, I think there's a story there. So he emailed me back asking what the story would, you know, idea was. I said, I don't really know what it is. Um, I said, I know, you know, it's been a while since you guys have won a game. And I said, can I come up and meet you for lunch and, and talk about it, see if there is a story? So he said, sure. So I drove up to, uh, we met at a diner there in Bemidji that he likes. And, uh, you know, we just talked about Red Lake, the football team, his life the program um and kind of what i what i've done aaron and i have worked on three major projects in the last couple of years and I actually took the those papers the hard copy of those papers and said this is kind of what i do and this is what i'd be interested in if we want to do it and at that meeting he was wearing a, a necklace with a pendant that had a picture of uh, a young boy on it and, and i said you know i asked him who that was he said that's my son nolan jr and um, he had died uh, in a AT, ATV accident when he was 10. Um, and that he, he would have been a senior this year. And, and you know, he would have been my quarterback and my, and my point guard and my shortstop. Um, and I was like, wow. Uh, so would you be, is that something you'd be willing to talk about? Um, you know, for this story, I said, if this was a Friday and, and, and I said, take the weekend to, to, to think about this and talk about it with your family, talk about it with your, you know, the, the principal, just to make sure, because Aaron and I, when we do these stories, we ask a lot, a lot of time, a lot of um, special access. I uh, said, you know, if, if we do this, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd want to, obviously your son's a big part of, um, you know, why you're still doing this and his friends are on the team. Um, so I would want to go into that. And so he called him back Monday and, and he, he said, yeah, I think, you know, one of the one hesitations that we felt really throughout, or at least in the early stages is you're not going to make fun of us, right? Like this, um, cause they had lost so much that I think they were, um, a little apprehensive about, okay, well, how, how are we going to be betrayed because we haven't won? Are you going to make fun of us? And I was like, you know, I assured him, no, no, that's, that's not our intent here at all. So um, he said, yeah, I absolutely want to do this. And, and uh, um, 
you know, so then we went from there and then I, as I always say, we've done, I think this is our fourth Aaron and I's projects. And, um, I'm not an editor, so I don't get to assign, uh, <laughs> who I work with, but I, I wouldn't do one of these without Aaron. Um, we just have a great, I wouldn't, and I couldn't, as I told him, I wouldn't, and I couldn't do one of these. Um, I just, we have a great uh, sense of how we want to do these things now. And, and he's just incredible, uh, person to work with so i i told aaron i said i think i have another project for us and we uh, kind of went from there aaron when he says that to you what's what's kind of going through your mind because obviously sounds like some pretty rich material to work with but you know chips you know chips the words guy you are you know definitely work with words as well but your the the visual element of this story is much different what what are you starting to think of as this story is taking shape well first off just follow chip (laughs) You know, I think Chip always has great ideas and his stories are always super compelling. And uh, whenever I have the chance to do a, a story with Chip, I take it. Um, so this was no different. Um, as far as like my approach, um, you know, I just like to spend time with people. And the more time you spend with people, the more interesting situations you'll find yourself in. Um, and I think this kind of like long form documentary storytelling really demands that you spend a lot of time with people in their space as things are going on that they had planned to have happen as things are going on that they had not planned to have happen. And, and I think you'll just find yourself in, in really uh, in very rich storytelling territory visually, if you just spend time, but also just spending time, even for things that you're not even going to use. I mean, I, the first time I met Nolan uh, was at a baseball game here. And I was just here to photograph a Twins Twins Yankees game, and he came down. And I, I might have missed this because my connections dropped out before. Um, but you know, I, I went out and I found him out in like center field or the outfield, and just had a conversation with him, and just like you know, made made sure he put a face to my name, and told him I'm really excited to come out there. So that when when I came up and I drove five hours up up north or four and a half hours, I already had some rapport with him. And then you just build on that rapport, and you spend more time and. Uh, and you become pretty close to people by just spending a lot of time with them. And yeah, time. That's the, the takeaway here. And that was, yeah, that was a, uh, you know, Nolan and his, his wife and oldest daughter, Lexi came down for a twins games. The Yankees were in town and they came down from that. And I mean, they brought us those clear bags that you see that people <laughs> take into uh, uh sporting contest now to carry your, your, your belongings, you know, the clear bags you have to have. They had brought Aaron and I one, that, that was had the red uh, red lake warriors logo on it and, and lettering on it and um and i think it was good for us to that was after that's i don't think we'd gone up we hadn't gone up for any interviews yet i'd gone up just to meet him and i think that was uh it was good to kind of have spent some time with him in that setting just so he got to know us a little bit you know even if it was just briefly but just to see our face and uh, the more contact and the more uh, time you spend around people and, you know, going back to like when we did the Austin project, these are not stories that you just, you go up once or twice and think you're going to build a rapport or get what the story is. I mean, you have to invest and spend a lot of time there. And um, obviously the physical distance on this one made it a little uh, more challenging than Austin was uh, because it was a, you know, four and a half hour drive. So it's, it's, we couldn't get there as frequently as we did with, with Austin. Um, but I think as I was adding up, I think I went up eight times in 
Um, Aaron, you probably did the same, if not maybe a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, but you need to spend hours and hours with, um, your subjects to get them to trust you and, and feel like, um, you're invested in telling their story the right way. Chip, you said at the beginning that, you know, you got an idea of what the story is, at least initially, it's just, you know, a team that hasn't won in X number of years. Then all of a sudden you see, you know, the pendant that Nolan's wearing yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, that this is going to be a much different story. Does that happen often where you go in with one idea then all of a sudden it's like, well, actually this is the story. And, you know, maybe for both of your perspective. No, I, I can, I can tell you, you know, going back to the Jake Sullivan, we did, um, I had no idea about his mental health uh, issues. And then we had an introductory, not introductory because I'd known him, but just uh, lunch to talk about the story of what I was looking for. And he, he told me about that. I was like, I had no idea, you know, Austin, I don't think we were really sure what the story was there um, other than, you know, immigration is really taking root in that town. So uh, this one, no, I, I went, I drove up there thinking there had to be some kind of, you know, coach or figure that held this thing together that throughout, you know, if you haven't won since 1999, somebody had to be holding that, that group together. And so I thought that would be it. But when he told me about Nolan Jr. and the fact that um, this would have been his senior year and the guys that he's coaching are, were his best friends, some of them, and the key, you know, the quarterback and a couple of the key players, and that um, Nolan's death really – had a profound impact on him in terms of wanting to continue to pour himself into uh, other people's kids, kids that he's known that, I mean, I remember driving home that day just thinking, Oh my gosh, this is beyond, you know, what I thought it was going to be. And I remember telling Aaron, it's like, we have to be up there a lot to gain their trust because this is, you know, these, these, these are not professional athletes who are interviewed all the time. I mean, this is, you know, a private person or, you know, normal person who is going to, we're asking to share, you know, the most horrific thing that a parent can go through uh, with a newspaper reporter and a newspaper photographer. And so we have to be there a lot to, to earn their trust before we can even ask to, to go down that route. Yeah. Aaron, from your perspective, how did you kind of build that trust along with chip? And then we can get into some of the, some of your favorite, maybe some of your favorite things from just you know some of your favorite moments or memories from from the re- from the eight trips you did make up there. Uh, you know, my strategy is usually to find the most popular person on the team and become friends with them. <laughs> uh, you know, so I I did that in Austin uh, with Agua, and I did that here with Cade. Uh, I went I went up uh, for their Treaty Day celebration, uh, a, like a giant powwow event, and the coach introduced me to Cade. Who's the quarterback, and uh, and I just tried to form a relationship with Cade and just let him know, like, hey, this is what I'm working on. Uh, he like followed me on social, uh, and we we're you know we've been in touch since then, texting, and he's helped out along the way with like timing of certain things, and uh, so and he introduced me to all of his teammates, and they all kind of look up to him. He's definitely a team leader. He's a senior. He's the quarterback, and so that really really helps. And then you know just being an adult and look you know hanging out with the coach coming and going when the coach comes and goes also kind of uh, helps you get in and out a little bit as a photographer as well. Like the kids almost see you as part of the, you're part of the landscape. You're, you're there and you're supposed to be there and you're with coach. Um, so that certainly helps too. Um, as far as favorite memories, you know, I, 
I loved going and no photos even ran from this, but I went to this powwow and I was there for, uh, for two days and just what a, what a magnificent event. Uh, it's so cool. Uh, I wish I could go back and just enjoy it without kind of a reporting, uh, agenda, you know, with meeting people and, and just getting to watch it and take it in. Uh, so that was really interesting. And then, uh, you know, just, you spend a lot of time and occasionally you get really lucky. Um, so like there's the photo of like the deer head in the back of the truck. Like <laughs> I was very giddy when I got that <laughs> because I just knew I'm like, wow, I've never seen this picture before. I've never seen anything like it before. And it's uh good light, good moment, brought football, you know, together with this other scene setting element. Um, and I was just very happy when I got that. You know, so thank goodness the uh, the deer season starts a little bit earlier <laughs> up there, and um, you know, and it's the back of a truck, and I might not have even seen it, but they were they kind of went up to it and were like kind of poking at it, you know, and like pulling at its antlers, holding it up, and uh, pretty pretty gruesome uh, scene. Uh, poor deer, but uh, you know they they're really into their deer hunting up there, and yeah. uh, it was cool to see that converge with with football. And then Aaron gets in the back of the pickup truck. It's so great. Aaron is fearless. I'll tell you that Aaron is fearless in terms of getting his shot and asking. Um, he he does a great job of one connecting with people, which which puts him at ease. Um, but then also getting just kind of ingrained in the in the either the team or the town or whatever, and so he can get great shots. I think one of my favorite times was the road trip we took with him to Bagley. Rode the bus mm. with him. Um, we're in the locker room with them. Uh, after the game, they stopped at a convenience store and, um, you know, got snacks for the ride home. That, that was, to me, that was kind of a fun night because um, you got to see a different side. Get to be kind of in their in, in their world on the team bus with them versus just showing up. Um, but I, I think for me, probably a lot of the times um, – spent with Nolan and interviewing him and, and I mean, really some deep conversations um, in his office, you know, his, he has a, I think Aaron had one shot of it, a, a t-shirt with Nolan Jr.'s face yep. on the front, hanging on the wall behind him. And I remember and that just, picture. Yeah. Yeah. And just um, conversations we had uh, in his office were uh, a highlight for me. You guys had <clears throat> unlimited space, which I guess you kind of do on the on the internet, but not you know from a practical purpose. Like if you had another five thousand words or another twenty photos or whatever, what what you know is there anything that is there any? It's super comprehensive, but is there anything that you say this part of the story interests me? It just didn't really fit into the overall narrative, or or, or something that got got left on the on the cutting room floor that you're like ah, I, I you know would have loved it to have that in there at some point. No, there were some details, some anecdotes that got cut out. Um, some of his family, um, more of the family background stuff uh, that we had in there that that got trimmed. Uh, one anecdote I love that got trimmed, I think I used it in my football across Minnesota today uh, column, uh, where I kind of wrote about the background, is um, when he took over as football coach, they were not in the conference. They had gotten kicked out of conference because there were so many forfeits and and uh it just became uh an issue for for other teams so they didn't have they weren't in a conference so scheduling games was hard for him he'd call around for hours trying to find anybody that play him and so one one year uh he brought a team down to brooklyn center uh for a game and and uh 
they got beat pretty badly, but a parent of a Brooklyn center teacher. So a young teacher there, uh, her parents were there at the game and the dad wrote Nolan a letter just saying, Hey, uh, I couldn't have been more impressed with the class of dignity and sportsmanship that your players showed in a, you know, pretty tough thing because they, I think it was a pretty lopsided loss um, and just really wrote him a pretty touching letter. And that letter is hanging up in, in uh, Nolan's still is 12 years later. That was 2010. I actually tracked the guy down. Um, he was like, why are you calling me? He, he was, he'd, he'd forgotten about, he sort of remembered writing a letter, but um, even 12 years later, that letter is still hanging uh, on a wall in, in Nolan's office. So I, I thought that um, was pretty telling and it, it showed how much pride he has in the way they conduct their program. Um, for me, uh, you know, when you're up there, you hear all sorts of stories. And one thing that we uh, knew about going in was that, you know, obviously Red Lake was the scene of a, a pretty grisly school shooting, uh, the first in the state. And it's actually still one of the deadliest school shootings to occur in this country. Uh, and, you know, we, we have kind of avoided that. We knew that was a topic that we couldn't do, that people didn't really want us touching up there. So, so there's this topic and it's, it, there's definitely, there are some echoes of it still. And I found out, you know, midway, probably later on during the story that one of the players that I had photographed a whole bunch, uh, who was, his father was one of the victims of the school shooting and he wasn't even born yet when the shooting happened, he was still, uh, his mother was still pregnant and I met his mom and, you know, and I just think like that, that could have been a really interesting part of the story potentially. Uh, we'd actually written about this child and her father, um, you know, 15 years ago when the shooting had happened. And, uh, you know, I, it's like a story within a story. Like we could have done a whole story yeah. just, just on that. And it would have been a really compelling powerful story um but you know we already had kind of a focus we already had this thing that we were we were kind of you know reaching toward and we ended up kind of like not touching that um so but you know it always it's always kind of tough seeing a potential story not make it uh but you know just there are so many interesting stories out there and that was just one thing that i just found very very compelling that i i knew wouldn't make it yeah, and I, if I if I remember correctly, was that the that was the last day we were up there, right? The last trip was that the senior night that that came. That we I think it was the second, maybe the second to last. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I, exactly I remember, sure. Second to last trip. Yeah, I remember it was late in the process, and we're like, and we we learned that, and it's like, wow. Um, I think we were so far down the track. Had yeah. that been had had we known about that earlier, I feel like that would have been a very natural yeah, storyline yeah. to kind of to kind of pull the thread on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it you know, it came up at different parts of the reporting, um, not a lot, uh, but that that was the one instance where, and I think it, like I said, I think we were like ninety five percent done with the reporting. Maybe it might have been in my, my last trip up. I can't remember um, that that came about, and it's like you know, yeah, it's. If we had more uh, time, um, I think we may have done more to pursue that. So, no, that makes that makes sense. There's so much to to gather and and get. Um, maybe a couple of final thoughts for you guys. Really enjoying conversation here with Chip Scoggins and Aaron Levinsky from the Star Tribune, writer and photojournalist who worked on the really excellent um, Red Lake 
project. If you guys haven't read that yet, please still go do that. Still very accessible on starttobe.com or go back and get Sunday's newspaper even better <clears throat> to see it presented in print. I mean, I'm, guys, I imagine the feedback you've gotten has got to be, you know, varied, well, you know, excellent feedback. Anything stand out to you in terms of what you've heard from some of the, the main people in the story or just, just people running to you out of the blue and saying, hey, uh, this this impacted me in a, in a way that I I hadn't seen coming. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, you know, anytime we we we've done one of these, I always have anxiety the day before it runs, um, because I don't want the subjects to have buyer's remorse or like, you know, I wish I wouldn't have shared this or I, after reading it in print and seeing it out there, that I I you know regret that I talked so openly about you know whatever. Um, so. I will say the night before it ran, I don't, I, these stories run. I don't really sleep much. Cause I, uh, I just wanted, you know, them to be comfortable with, with how it turns out. I, I will say that Nolan has texted me a couple of times and told me he's read it multiple times. It was in tears reading it. And it made him feel good. So um, I, I'm happy about that. And I have not done a story in my 30 year career. That's generated this kind of uh, reaction. I mean, I'm, as, as we're talking now, I, I'm still, I've gotten three more emails. Um, and I think Aaron's been attached on a lot of those too. It's been, the reaction has been phenomenal. I mean, some of these yeah. emails, the, the things that I'm getting are just bringing me to tears. Um, this story has touched people in a way that I, I guess I didn't see coming to be honest with you. Um, I knew it was a powerful story. I just didn't know that it would have this kind of reaction on people that would email us just, you know, that they're sobbing reading the story and that they wanted it turned into a movie. And um it's just, it's been heartwarming to see how much uh, Nolan's story and the Red Lake story has resonated with people. Yeah, just uh, seeing, you know, a lot of the players follow me on like Instagram and stuff, and they were so thrilled when it published and like sharing posts and photos. And uh, so that was really neat seeing them kind of engage with it uh, and be happy and, pr- you know, be proud of it. Uh, you know, seeing Nolan's eldest daughter you know, sharing yeah. photos and hearing that he was happy with it, you know, cause I'm the same as chip. I was, you know, very kind of, I'm always very concerned when people really put themselves out there. I feel like you have an obligation as a journalist, as a photographer, as a reporter to, to really handle that. And like, you know, our job isn't to make people look good necessarily, but it's definitely, you know, on our mind to give people humanity and dignity and, you know, that they, that they all, that everybody deserves. And I, I'm always worried the night before as well. And to hear that everybody was happy and that the public, you know, really received it well and uh, that it touched so many people, um, you know, it gives me a lot of pride as a journalist. Well, once again, you guys, tremendous work. Like I said to everybody else, if you haven't read it yet, haven't looked at it yet, please do that. Um, congrats to you guys on another Great, great. That's not even the right superlative, but uh, excellent, uh, excellent work. Can't wait for whatever's next. Although I imagine both of you guys probably want a little bit of a, a break <laughs> okay, before a you dive into something else, right? <laughs> no, take We've been doing like here. almost two a year, one a year, yeah, two a I year. Know. This is our second, second this year. Second this year, yeah. So we'll have to come up with something next year. But um, as I said, I whatever it is, we'll find something. But I got to have Aaron with me because uh, I think we we. Uh, we have a good team and kind of same eye and same ear and uh, same uh, 
kind of objective when we when we tackle this story. So I appreciate it. And thanks for having us on to talk about it. I, I yeah, can't talk about thanks. it red like enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, I, can't, I, I can't get enough of the story either. So I'm glad to have you guys on and shed a little bit more light on it. Hope everybody else did as well. Thanks again, you guys. Uh, be well and uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy some well-earned uh, time off, hopefully. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Mikey. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed that conversation with Chip and Aaron. I hope you guys did too. And like I've said, a couple times already. If you haven't read that story, please go back and look at it. It's one of the best things I've read this year, not just in our paper, but in any outlet around. So please do go check out that story. Let's finish with the cooler. I didn't even know Major League Baseball had started doing a draft lottery. Maybe that's just something that slipped my consciousness um, in the you know in the fray of everything that went on. Maybe that was something they decided. Um, you know, when they settled things last year. I don't know. I don't know when exactly that was decided. All I know is all of a sudden I'm reading tweets last night. Hey, the Twins moved up in the draft lottery. Like, what? There was a draft lottery? Major League Baseball, first year of it, obviously, since I didn't know about it. And the Twins moved up from 13 to 5. That's a far way to go as, as a market that is used to bad lottery luck, especially the Timberwolves over the years. That was a pleasant surprise if you are a Minnesota sports fan. So the Twins, who buy virtue of their 78 and 84 record would have traditionally had the 13th pick have the fifth pick in the 2023 draft so kind of a that's a that's a pretty big boon that's a pretty big difference they can now you know get a top five player we'll see what they do with it and a lot of these guys don't make you know don't pay dividends for a lot of years but still that is a lot of draft capital to gain all just for the luck of the draw and again something i didn't even know about maybe you guys did shame on you for not telling me That'll do it for today. Tomorrow's show should be a lot of Gopher volleyball talk with Jeff Day. Gophers getting ready to play in the Sweet 16 on Thursday against Ohio State. If they get through that, they would play Texas in the region final. First things first, though, like I said, Ohio State, and Jeff and I will talk about that on Thursday's show. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow. Tomorrow.